I honestly think we're just barely scratching the surface. If we'll continue to press in, if we'll continue to believe and, and to be hungry and, and to be transferred from any sense of apathy to the zeal that Jesus is calling his church to, I think that there are just, oh my gosh, we can't even conceive of the things that he's going to do to bring glory to himself through his church. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to read you a whole chapter from the book of Romans. I'm going to read you the last couple verses first, then I'm going to read the chapter because I want you to get a sense for what the conversation is today. I'm going to tell you a story, and then I just want to break it down a little bit, um, the chapter. So the chapter I'm going to read today is, is Romans chapter 14. And the last two verses of chapter 14 read like this. The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith. And whatever is not from faith is sin. So the whole eating thing, you'll get a a better picture of that in the rest of chapter 14. I want to tell you a story. A few weeks ago, I sat down with a guy, and we were having a conversation about a fairly important thing. And um, he had told me that he believed he had heard from the Lord and that the Lord was telling him A. And I very sincerely believed that the Lord was saying B and that he, he wasn't truly hearing from God. So we're having this conversation, and in the process of having the conversation, you know, we're talking about scriptures, and we're kind of understanding different things. And as we're talking, I hear this in my spirit or in my mind. It was from the Lord. The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. And I knew instantly what he was trying to tell me. It didn't matter whether I was right or this other guy was right. And, and to be quite honest with you, I, I would never be so bold as to say that I know for sure, even then, that I was correct, that my hearing from God was superior to his hearing from God. But what the Lord was telling me is, because I was in a position of, um, you know, I'm older than, than, than that person, I'm the pastor, you know, I'm in a position where I could have kind of muscled my way through the conversation and probably had my will. And the Lord said, hey, listen, don't do that. Don't pressure him to the point where you force him to agree with you because his conviction, he believes, came from me. And whether it's right or it's wrong, if he moves against his conviction that he believes sincerely is from the Lord, he's sinning before the Lord. Even if, even if what he thought was true wasn't true, because it was his conviction before the Lord, if he were to wander from it, I could have... Gosh, I can't think of a good word. Led him to stumble before the Lord. And that's the conversation that I want to have with you today. So I'm going to read to you Romans chapter 14. I'm going to read it from the NIV, and then I'm going to go back and talk from my New American Standard. But it's just a little easier reading out of the NIV. So starting at verse 1, all of chapter 14. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows him to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? 
to their own master, servants stand or fall. And they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we all will stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, and every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each one of us, or each of us, will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us, therefore, make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things... Keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. So let's go back the beginning and just look at a few passages in here and I want to comment on them a little bit and ultimately at the end of this conversation I want us to be very conscious of how we see our brothers and sisters how we see other ministries especially people that don't necessarily have the same convictions that we do and to operate in the grace that God operates with us okay Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat, and the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge the servant of another? 
To his own master he stands or falls. And he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Now, strength and weakness in this context is not somebody strong in their ability to walk out the lordship of Jesus Christ, to walk in, in holiness, so much as their faith is strong or weak unto the absolute truth. So Paul said later in chapter 14 that he's convinced that everything is clean. There is no issue with what you eat. That would be strength in this context. The one who is weak would be the one who, who was weak in the truth and, and was concerned. Now remember, these were mostly Jewish converts, and they had, they had to wrestle with the law that they'd been taught all their lives that they had to follow, and then this new freedom they have in grace in Jesus Christ. And one of the things was you had to be careful what you ate and what you didn't eat. So Paul is saying, it's okay, eat what you want. The weakness is in their faith, in their understanding, not in their necessarily ability, because they're actually not eating what they're probably fleshly would love to eat. So they're fairly strong in their walking out of what they believe to be true. The weakness is in their understanding. Okay? Okay. The issue is judgment. And it's interesting, it's two types of judgment. He says not to judge the person or to judge their opinions. It's okay to share opinions, but it's not okay to judge. We talked about that a little bit last week, how there's a lot of tension in the scriptures between how you would interpret certain things that seem to give you a liberty here, but take away your liberty over here. But then over here it says to do this thing, but that seems to bring attention over here. So it's very important that we be really excellent students of the Scripture and that we're illuminated by the Holy Spirit so that what seems like it could be a contradiction, we can see the fullness of what God's trying to tell us. If you take any Scripture all by itself without an understanding of the breadth of the Scriptures, you can go to the place of weak faith pretty easily. One of the commentators that I enjoy is a guy named David Guzik, and he said about this particular course of Scripture, Paul isn't telling us to erase our differences, but to rise above them. Okay, now continuing on, verse 5. One person regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord, and he who eats does so for the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who, eat, he, who, <laughs> he who eats not for the Lord, he who eats not for the Lord, he does not eat and gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one of us dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the war, Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, le- whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Man, that's an important thing for us to understand. Finley, that was a great word that you gave. We are the Lord's. We, we're owned people. We're dead to ourselves. That's our confession. It, it doesn't always work out that way, but that's our goal is to be dead to ourselves, alive only to Christ and his will. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be both Lord of the dead and the living. The teaching is a principle. It's not focused on just food and, and an issue of food. He gives us a different example in some think these days are special and others think that every day is the same. He's, he's trying to teach us a principle about judging one another and judging one another's faith, the opinions that we have based upon where we're at with the Lord. I remember early in my walk, I mean, man, I was the most arrogant guy. 
I praise God. I mean, I'm not bragging on myself, but he is really, you know, if there's anything God knows how to work out in you, it's humility. If you ask, that's one that he'll do. And I was on a fishing trip with the Freedom Center men's group, and we were up at a lake in Canada, and we're driving our boat around, and there was a restaurant. And um, we stopped at the restaurant. We weren't catching any fish. <laughs> we stopped at the restaurant for lunch, and um, I was with Pastor Jim, and I was with Jeff Waltz, and I don't know who else, but I knew, though, those guys don't drink. I'm like, these guys, you know, stiff Christians, they don't get it. I'm going to help them to loosen up a little bit. I'm seriously, this is the nonsense that's going on in my head, but I'm a baby. And, and I said, you know, what do you got to drink? And he, he's iced tea, and this one wants a, a Coke. And I'm like, what kind of beer you got? We're in Canada, man. You got great beer in Canada. And the guy's like, yeah, I don't sell any beer. Thank God. I could have caused him to stumble. Pastor Jim from the pulpit numerous times has confessed that he was an alcoholic. If you are a leader in the Freedom Center Church, you have to commit to not drink alcohol. That's Pastor Jim's conviction before the Lord. I don't think he would tell you that it's a sin if you drink alcohol, but because it's such a big deal in his life, and he saw the harm that it caused in other people's lives, he asked his leadership to abstain from alcohol. Here I am, this little goofball guy, thinks he knows everything and knows nothing, and and I'm going to try to help these guys to find a place to just loosen up a little bit. I cannot tell you how many times in small group, I would say the stupidest things. The point of it isn't how stupid I could be, because you know. I mean, I could be pretty stupid. But the point of it is, nobody ever corrected me. I mean, there was, like, I came home from a trip one time, and I sat next to this Muslim guy on the airplane. And I was explaining, you know, I'm a Christian, and he says, I'm a Muslim. And I'm like, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to like him, you know, which you are supposed to like him. I'm not just kidding, but... I'm like, well, that's cool, you know. Let me tell you about mine, and you can tell me about yours. He said, it's so cool. And he explained to me how their faith flows from Ishmael, and my faith flows from Isaac, but they come together at Abraham, just different paths to the same God. I'm like, that is so cool. I, give, I can't wait to tell Pastor Jim I got this revelation. You never preached on this. The only time, kind of things that he ever corrected me on were things like that. He said, no, Pat. It's not two paths to the same God. There's only one path to the same. Let me show you, Jesus, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. My point is their grace was so wonderful. They didn't call me stupid. They didn't say, hey, listen, you know, we're trying not to be alcoholics, and you're trying. They were so graceful with me, and that's how we need to be with each other. There's certain foundational truths. We don't want somebody to think that they could be a Muslim and go to heaven because they won't go to heaven, and they won't know. Those kind of things we have to deal with. But things that people's faith is strong about as their conviction, later you see Paul doesn't tell you, hey, get their doctrine straightened out. Now, I think it's okay to tell the guy, hey, I know I'm pretty sure you can eat meat, but it's not to judge him. If he decides, no way, I'm not sure, I don't think so, then you don't eat meat if you're walking in love. Well, I think I just used up all the rest of my sermon notes. The key, after the foundational things, right? The foundation is Jesus is the only way. As you start to expand out from the foundation requires grace. And I really believe that it's not the perfect, the perfection by which you walk out the lordship of Christ. It's the sincerity in your heart that God looks at. If he sees that Jesus is sincerely Lord of your heart, whether you do a good job of walking it out or not, he can work with that sincerity, 
That's the thing that he measures, is a man's heart or, or, or a lady's heart. So continuing now in verse 10, but you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? Man, have you ever had that? Sometimes I'm pretty sure those are flaming arrows, but when you see another ministry or you hear somebody preach something a little different than how you believe, we can actually get to the place of having contempt in our hearts towards them. They're our brothers and sisters, and they're 99.9% of the time sincere. They're not trying to lead anybody astray. For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Matthew chapter 7, a little departure from Romans, verses 3 through 5. So important that we get this. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. We're going to give an account before the Lord. That's the bema seat of judgment, if I understand it correctly. It's not going to be unto do we get in or don't we get in, but it's going to be unto our works and unto our heart, and how did we represent Jesus when we had the opportunities to. And the first question, if matter of fact, let us pray this prayer. Father, if I ever feel contempt towards a brother or a sister, towards another ministry, towards anyone that's called on your name, I pray that what I will see next is the log in my own eye. And that my prayer will become a concern for my own eye, that I might walk in absolute holiness, and that you would reveal to me all truth. And that if you do call me to correct a brother and sister, that you will give me such a grace that I will do it in love and humility. We ask you that in your name, Jesus. Okay. Verse 13. Let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or stumbling block in a brother's way. I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. That to me is a really amazing statement. There's things that are sin, and there's things that aren't sin, black and white. There's no gray area between what's right and what's wrong. Except if what's okay, you think it's not okay, guess what? It's not okay. Because you think it not to be okay. Now, it can get okay if your understanding gets turned around and and you get enlightenment. But literally, if I think it's not okay, if I think it's a sin to eat meat, and you're like me back in the day, or you think it's a sin to drink a beer, and you get me to drink a beer... You've caused me to sin, even though you know that it's not. Our walk has to be so concerned for each other, so so laid down to Jesus that we don't create a stumbling block. And let me tell you, stumbling blocks can be subtle. Anybody that's married, anybody that's been with somebody for any length of time, it is so easy Little tiny things. You know, you you live together, you're together all the time, you love one another, but there's these little things. And if we're not careful, our little stuff that we just respond outside of love cause our partner, our husband, our wife, our children to stumble 
And now all of a sudden, the stumble is typically going to lead you to be challenged on what's going to come next. Remember, never ever return evil for evil or insult for insult. But as soon as you put that tripping thing, that stumbling block in front of somebody, however you feel about it, however you feel it might have been justified, that little smirk, that little... Whatever that thing is. You know, with this one, if you're a teenager, if you want to know what a stumbles your mom and dad, do that sometime. Put that thing away. <laughs> the point is, if somebody does that to me, I have a, I have a flesh reaction that wants to come out. And, and you know, because I told you the last couple of weeks, somebody did a thing, and I had a flesh reaction that came out. Now, I don't know if they were Christian or not, but they would have never guessed that I was, Right? We have to be so careful that the subtle little teensy, teensy things that we think maybe are nothing, that we're so used to, they have to die because they cause someone to stumble. And usually when one stumbles, then this whole cycle of we all stumble together happens. For if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food him for whom Christ died. Think about that. Think about the power that we have. Do not destroy with your food or your whatever him for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let us... What is, a, what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves, ugh, for he who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. For if because of, fill in the blank, your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. And contextually again, now hurt isn't you hurt their feelings. Hurt is you, you cause them to stumble before the Lord, right? It's not like, you know, you said a word and you hurt their feelings and now they're sad. That, that's not something we ought to do either. But what Paul's talking about in this particular thing is you've hurt them in their relationship with God. Way bigger deal, right? Because earlier he said, don't destroy the one for whom Christ died. Verse 19. So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. So then, we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are clean, but they are evil for the man who eats and gives offense. It is not good to eat meat or drink wine or do anything by which your brother stumbles. The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But if he doubt, or but he who doubts is condemned if he eats because his eating is not from faith, and whatever is not from faith is sin. Right doctrine, wrong doctrine, whatever you do that you perceive to be contrary to God's will is sin. It's a tricky conversation. Doctrine is really important. It is important for us to have a right, true a right and true understanding of scriptures. Anything outside of the truth is a problem. But the flip side is, be careful that you don't judge the opinion of your brother. Scripture says that we're to admonish one another. We're to rebuke and reprove one another. But we're also to be careful not to cause one another to stumble. 
That's that tension. It's, a, it's like there's such a grace that's required. And I really do believe that the Lord is trying to tell us that if you had to err in one way or the other, worry less about rebuke, repute, rebuke, reprove, and more about worry about if they stumble. It's important to have good doctrine, and it's important if we're walking outside of right doctrine that we get trained. I don't think it's wrong to share with somebody, hey, listen, you're not eating meat, but you can eat meat. But if their conviction doesn't change, don't eat meat in front of them because their conviction is that they can't, and if they do, they've just sinned before the Lord. I I praise God so much in that conversation I had with that guy about, you know, who heard God right kind of thing. I told him, listen, will you take just a couple more days and pray and ask the Lord to hear clearly. I will not challenge what you believe you hear. And I will respect your conviction before the Lord. And that will be the end of it. We'll be done. And if you think ever, because the devil gets in our heads, I'm looking at you cross-eyed, I'm not. Because I have no judgment towards your conviction. It isn't a life and death thing. It wasn't a salvation or, you know, where your eternity is kind of thing. And I thank God that he showed me. He convicted me, and I love it. And I think he can only do this because I read his word. He convicted me in my thoughts with scripture. He could speak the word to me, and I could know what he meant because I read it. Two more passages, and then we'll move on. Maybe this is some good ones that help us. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, on then through chapter 4, verse 3. God can do anything, even through us. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Therefore I, Paul speaking, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness and patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Peace is people being together. It's If you have no peace, you have anxiety inside of you, and, and Jesus has left us peace, that we shouldn't be anxious for anything. But he's also called us to the ministry of reconciliation, not just man to God, but men to men, women to men, men to women, people to people. And that same peace, if there's anxiety between people, God desires that there be peace between us. Be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit Jesus doesn't want a broken body in the bond of peace. And then the second one is Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. So, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Maybe the key, this is not scripture anymore, this is just me. Maybe the key is to trust the power of love and God's greater desire of peace, for the Lord is able to make him stand. 
And then just to quote one of the verses earlier, so then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of, you fill in the blank, whatever it might be, a day, meat, no, no, no. You know, so we, we so, so love to be right, to be right, to be right, to prove that we're right. It makes us somehow feel better. We have to decide somewhere, I forget which book it's in, Paul is talking about, I think it's one of the Corinthians, but I'm probably wrong. He's talking about you have these disputes within the body of Christ, within the very church, and you, you won't even sort it out amongst yourselves. You go to a, a secular court and you expose a broken Christ to the world that needs to see a unified, beautiful Jesus. He says, why don't you just be wrong and move on? He's saying it's better that you just, you know what? I'm just going to agree with you. Let's just be pals. Can I have a hug? Let's just move on. Because it's better to be wrong than to be separate. Make sense? Okay, so now in the next week, I promise you, if you're anything like me, some, and, and I really, I believe it's flaming arrows. I really like, I, Finley, I keep, I love, I loved your testimony because when the flaming arrows came, oh, you know, look at you, God's not even with you. You said, no way, I will not identify with those thoughts because that is not me. I am a new creature in Christ. I desire holiness. I know my Lord would never leave me nor forsake me. I stand in the truth. This is, this is the essence of spiritual warfare. And you're victorious in faith because you trusted in what God said. And he is faithful. And it's the same with us. He's going to, you're here, here a preacher, and, and he's going to say something that's outside of your doctrine, or somebody's going to do something. They're going to criticize seeker-sensitive, or who cares what? Who are we to judge another servant? Because God is able to make them stand. If you think it's so egregious that you need to address it, then address it in love, speaking the truth in love with humility. If not, then, then the prayer is this. I, when I was, I used to be a board member at the Freedom Center. And I cannot tell you, you know, there was this Holy Spirit crowd and these, you know, different people. And they didn't understand that being on the board doesn't make me like your senator. You know, I'm not your personal representative to the king. <laughs> but that's how people think. Hey, I voted for you at the deacon thing. Therefore, you need to go tell this guy what's all messed up. And I wouldn't do it. And Pastor Jim told me, don't you ever come to me because <laughs> you are not there. Ever. So I already knew. But the point is, I don't know what God has put in his heart. But God has put him in that spot. The thing I would do with them is I would pray with them that if he was one inch outside of God's will, that God would help him to find his way perfectly into his will. I won't criticize a thing that you think is right or wrong because that's not who I'm supposed to be. And that's how we need to be. When we see something that we think might be outside of God's perfect will for a person or a ministry, our first thing is to humble ourselves in prayer and say, Lord... I won't even begin to judge. Paul said he won't even judge himself. Who are we to judge somebody else? I don't want to judge anybody, Lord, but I want everyone to walk in the fullness of your glory, the absolute center of the narrow path. I want them to be in your will like I want me to be in your will, Lord. So if there's anything, any hindrance, any lie, any deception, any insecurity, any fear, any, anything that might hinder that person or that church or those people, to be anywhere but the center of your heart for them, Lord. I pray that those things be done away with and that they would find themselves in the glorious place of your will. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So let us walk with that heart of humility and gentleness and love and compassion for one another.
Let me just pray over us. Father, thank you. I'm just so humbled, God. I'm so humbled before you. I hear Finley's testimony and Andy's testimony of, of, of a true and a beautiful and a laid down representation of your very son to this world and the changes that can happen as a result of that. Lord, I pray that we would be so surrendered that you would take all of our pains, all of our fears, all of our insecurities, all of those things, and just make us whole in Christ Jesus, especially our identities, Lord. Any curse that's been spoken over any of us, I break them in the name of Jesus. Anything that would curse us to be less than the fullness of Jesus to this world and to one another, I break them in Jesus' name. And I thank you that by your wonderful, glorious Holy Spirit that we can walk in holiness and we will walk in truth and that we can be the very embodiment of love to one another and to this world that needs to see it. In Jesus' name.